Good morning. Let's just do one thing. Please, one little favor. Let's just stand up for a moment. Just one moment. Let's just give a clap to the Lord. Yes. He is amazing. He's an awesome, mighty God. Worthy to be praised. Thank you. Thank you. Tell him thank you. We're here this morning. Thank you. Thank you. Please be seated in the presence of the Lord. Let's just pray. Most gracious and heavenly Father, we come to you in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. Thanking you, O God, thanking you for your grace and your mercy that endures forever from generation to generation. I am so grateful to be here this morning with more of my brothers and my sisters. Psalm 133 says, oh, how wonderful, how beautiful it is for brothers and sisters to dwell together in unity. Thank you for the unity of the Holy Spirit. Thank you for this church and the pastor. Thank you, God, for uh, all of your children. Thank you for uh, allowing me to be here one more day, one more time, uh, standing and preaching your most holy word. I ask that it will be nourishment, that, it will be, that you will strengthen whoever is weak this morning, that you will bless, that you, yes, heal whoever needs healing, whether it's emotional or physical. You are a healer, oh God, and we thank you, God. Help me to preach and, uh, in the way that you want me to. You, uh, I wrote this sermon with your holy, by your Holy Spirit, inspired by your Holy Spirit, but I say you have your way. Spirit of the living God, fall fresh on me this morning. And allow me to encourage, to lift up uh, someone today. And that will never be the same as we go out and share with the dying world the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ. And we pray this in his mighty name, Jesus. Amen. 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 <laughs> Sorry, I was eating a meat. Oh, gosh. Okay. <laughs> Sorry, I'll take it back. I promise you. <laughs> I want to thank the senior pastor, Pastor Phil, for having me here one more time. Like he said, I was supposed to be here uh, last year, but, you know, not only that, uh, I became a widow three years ago. Then I was diagnosed with cancer three years ago. And then my mother last year had a three stroke, but by the grace of God, I'm here. I'm, I, I'm free from cancer, and, you know, uh, he's a healer. He chooses to heal us the way he wants us to be healed, and he chose the doctors, and I'm glad. Uh, it's a process. We are just pilgrim. We're just passing through, and he will be with us. He says, I'll never leave you, never, for, never forsake you, and whatever we're going through, uh, the storms of life, it's okay. He's got our, you know, our hand, and he's not going to let us go. So we need to trust him. We need to have faith, and we need to move forward. Now, that sounds easy to say than done. <laughs> you know, I'm just saying that now I'm here. But it is true. It is true. So I love you, bless you, and I'm glad to be here, excited this morning. Okay, I, um, I have the honor and the privilege. I do consider it that I was thanking God uh, many, many times for allowing me to be the first one this morning to preach the first of the seven last words of Jesus Christ from the cross, the series of the cross, that will lead you, like the pastor said, to Resurrection Sunday. Lent, you know, I was thinking about, uh, when you was talking about Lent, and Lent is a season for us to, I don't know, I, 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 I've been in a contemplative mood, you know, 
thinking about the things that God has done for me. And I'm quite sure that there's many testimonies in here this morning that uh, you could testify that God is really a healer. He's a good God. He's got good plans for us. Jeremiah 29, 11 says, For I know the plans that I have for you. Plans for what? To prosper, to give you hope and a bright future. So he's a good God, and he want to bless his children. So I am really delighted, and I hope that I honor him and that I am able to, you know, to give you what he gave me. And uh, I want to thank you, like he said, for all of your prayers. Um, and by the grace of God, only that. I'm here, so hopefully uh, be encouraged. I also bring you greetings from Gilberto Lopez. He's the senior pastor of the Pentecostal Church of God International Movement. It is a missionary and an evangelistic uh, church through the nations and to this city, through this city, yes. And I also bring you greetings from our congregation. It is good to be here. You know, on forgiveness, the famous columnist, uh, uh, her name is, uh, wow, what is her name? She, <laughs> I just wrote and forgot, Ann Landers. I don't know. It's, she, well, she did have a column. I don't know how many here. It's kind of like uh, 1980s or 90s. So I don't know that uh, many of the younger ones remember Ann Landers. Anyway, she wrote, you know, on forgiveness, that forgiveness, forgiving the unforgivable, is the kindest thing that we can do for ourselves. Think about that. So, you know, often we think, oh, it's, I need to forgive him, her, or whatever, those people. But actually, someone once said that forgiveness is not for them, it's actually for ourselves, you know. Uh, Father, forgive them. Luke 23, 32 to 38. If you have your Bibles, or if it's going to be on the screen, I don't know, but I will read it, Okay. And it says, and there were also two others malefactors led with him to be put to death. And when they, and when they were come to the place, I'm reading from the King James Bible, which is called Calvary, they were there, they crucified him. And the malefactors, one of them on the right hand and the other on the left. Then uh, said Jesus, Father, forgive them. For they do not they not know what they do. And they pattered his raiment, his clothes, and cast lots. And the people stood beholding, and the rulers also within deride him, saying, He save others, let him save himself, if he be the Christ, the chosen of God. And the soldiers also mock him, coming to him and offering him vinegar, and saying, if thou be the king of the Jews, save thyself. And it's a super superscription also was written, written uh, over him in letters of Greek and Latin and Hebrew. This is the king of the Jews. The word already has blessed us. The sermon title is Father Forgive Them. My brothers and my sister, it is said that the last word of a the last words of the dying person are never forgotten. At some time, a person closing comments, the last words, often reveal their pain, regret, and agony. But also the sentiments that will disclose their values, priorities, and innermost thought. I was looking to the internet. I found some interesting last words from the, a few 
some different person throughout the history. The Baptist preacher Charles Spurgeon last words were, Jesus died for me. And John Wesley, the founder of Methodism, say, the best of all is God is with us. And the great devout Christian and music, musical master, John Sebastian Bach, reported last word were simply, I work hard. It is also said that Humphrey Bogart's last word were, I should have never switched from scotch to martinis. <laughs> anyway, that was really interesting, huh? Forgiveness, forgive them, for they don't know what they do. The last words of Jesus, Father, forgive them. The first of the last word as the cross. When I read that, I thought it was interesting that the first thing that he asked the Father was for forgiveness. Think about that. I call this first things first. I'm interpreting this, taking the liberty to say that unless we do first things first, we're not going to move forward. I'll guarantee you. So it's interesting that he said, Father, forgive them. So he did ask for forgiveness, and then he did the other six words that he uttered from the cross. So first things first. We must forgive, you know that? I mean, there's no way around it. There's no, I mean, there's no... No magical thing that we could just say, okay, I'm going to go through life and I'm not going to forgive. And, you know, it's easy to say that done for all of us. I'm not going to say that, you know, right away, you know. Uh, there are times that I have not, you know, people mistreat you and for whatever reason. And then uh, we're human beings. We're fleshly people. So we will have time to forgive. But unless you forgive, whoever it is, we're a perpetrator, whoever, whatever, for whatever reason, we must forgive. We're not going to move on. I know that for a fact. So we must forgive. So Jesus uttered, Father, forgive them. Can you imagine from the cross? I mean, I was looking at that cross. I mean, at all rugged cross. And our Savior is forgiving those people. I mean, many of them, you know, that many of them, which before they, they, they when he came, into, uh, into Jerusalem, it was, you know, uh, the king of the Jews, and everybody was pounced on, throwing palms and all that stuff. And, and then a few days later, they were crying. They were screaming, crucify him, crucify him. So, you know, that, that's to show you how, how we people are. I mean, we change, and, you know, God does not change. He never changes. He's the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. That's what the Bible says. So he's never going to change. He's there to forgive us. Forgiveness is right at hand. But we must forgive. We must forgive. We must forgive. The crucifixion of Jesus was not an ordinary historical event. If we believe the Bible, the death of God's only begotten Son is the focal point of time and eternity. It is good to know that before Jesus was arrested, tried, sentenced to death, at the cross and crucified, he spent his time in the Garden of Gethsemane, Gethsemane, praying in agony, asking the Father if he was willing to remove that cup. Please, Father, remove it. Nevertheless, he said, not my will, but the will of the Father be done. He was obedient to the end. 
So as we can see, until the moment that he was going to be arrested, Jesus was already praying to the Father, preparing for what was coming. You know, we never know what's coming in our life. I never thought that I was going to become a widow. I shouldn't. Well, I was going to say at a, at a younger age. I'm not that young. So <laughs> I can laugh. But, you know, I'm, I'm just saying that uh, <laughs> jokingly. That then I didn't know that, you know, that the diagnosis of cancer. Then I didn't know that my mother was going to have a stroke. So like him, he was preparing in prayer to the Father because of what was coming. We don't know. It is so important that we pray, that we pray, that we talk to God. That's what it is. Very simple. Sometimes I think in my, in, 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 in my most intense uh, moments, of this trial with the cancer, my, my, I think my, the, my most powerful prayer was like, God help me. Like no words, no words will come out, you know. And so we must pray, we must stay vigilant, you know. Uh, times are evil, you know. I mean, it always been, but there's this, uh, we're living on times. How many know that we're living on times of great intensity? I mean, one thing, uh, it seems like nature is things like, but you know, that's in the Bible. So that's rejoicing for us. But at the same time, we must be vigilant, praying. And he was praying. He was praying his humanity was revealed in what you and I might be able to relate to. Anxiety, fear, and even agony. But his perfect obedience made perfect that is through his suffering for us, exemplified by his ultimate acceptance of the will of God. It is hard, you know, sometimes to, to say, thy will be done. Uh, Through the illness, people will say, Pastor, we're praying for you. We're praying. And the only thing that I used to say, not to disrespect, but it was like, please don't pray all this. It's okay. You know, I know people want me to be healed, but just pray thy will be done. For whatever he's got for me, finally, uh, you know, I will say, thy will be done, not my will. So, Alive, Jesus Christ not only accepted the will of God for his life, but he lived a life for the purpose of, not for the purpose of accumulating wealth and making a name for himself. You know that? It's not all glory and, you know, no, uh-uh. It, it, you know, and I'm not saying that other people have different calling missionaries that are suffering right now for the cause of Christ, but it, a life uh, a life of a minister, of a pastor, of a teacher, an evangelist, and you know, and you go on. It's a servant. We're servants of the Most High God. That's it. So it might look like, you know, uh, I mean, it might look as if there's a lie, you know, you're in the line, but it's not. It's a life of sacrifice. He led that life of sacrifice for you and me so that I could stand here today and saying, glory be to God. What an amazing God we serve. He's worthy to be praised. I'm alive in here because of his grace and mercy. That's it. That's it. So he lived his life, bearing all things, believing all things, suffering all things so that you and I could have fellowship with God. He lived a life of love. He lived a life of love. So for a moment this morning, we're going to examine four aspects of Jesus' work, the first work at the cross. The first one, notice, that is the request of prayer. Father, forgive them. Father, forgive them. Jesus was asking God to bless those, what? 
that were persecuting and murdering him by forgiving their sins. What does this mean? David wrote on Psalm 32, 1, 2, Blessed is the one whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. Blessed is the man against whom the Lord does not count iniquity, and in whose spirit there is no deceit. To have our sin forgiven means that the Lord does not count them anymore. Isn't that wonderful? Wow. I mean, that's great. For they have been covered. And the penalty of our sins, it's paid for. It's paid. It's over. When he said, it is finished, telestai, it was finished. It's a done deal. We don't have to, you know. It is good to examine ourselves every night. We don't know how. How many days we have in, we don't know how many seconds we have in this life. Only God knows when, when is our, fin, our beginning and when is our end. So at night, it's good. It's good to, you know, to, to talk to him. Father, if I did something this morning or today, you know, help me, you know, forgive me. I mean, remember that I am but dust, you know. And so, yes, it was a request. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. The second thing is the passion behind what he was saying, the passion. The tense of the original text is continuous, indicating that this was something Jesus said several times. Imagine that as he was laid up on the cross, he prayed, Father, forgive them. I can't imagine. I, I mean, I'm, I'm just kind of like, will say, you know, respectfully, I can't imagine what, how he said it. Father, forgive them. Father, forgive them. Father, forgive them. As the nails were driven to his hand and feet, he prayed, Father, forgive them. As he was lifted up and the cross was set in pray, in place, he said, what? Father, forgive them. As he hung there, suspended between heaven and earth, he prayed, what? Father, forgive them. Father, forgive them. Father, forgive them. You know what? We should do that. I mean, every day. Father, forgive them. I don't know what's going to happen today. Somebody's going to cross my path as I'm driving, and who knows? Father, forgive them. Father, forgive them. Father, forgive them. Father, those are words that echo. I mean, it's like, uh, it, it almost like uh, makes resonance, you know, that throughout the, the, the ages. Father, forgive them. Father, forgive them. Father, forgive them. Father, forgive them. You see, he could have prayed. Maybe like some of the prayers that, I don't know you, that I might have prayed like, Father, get him. <laughs> yeah, being honest, transparency. Father, judge them. Father, avenge me. But you haven't done what, you haven't seen. Have you seen what they've done? Have you seen how they mistreated me? Have you seen how they abused me? And the Father is saying, my servant Lillian, forgive them, forgive them, forgive them. Wow. That is to give grace to someone who really don't deserve it. Who really don't deserve it. You know, I, I, I do wonder, uh, why is it so hard to forgive when he forgave us, you know? But that shows our humanity. We're human beings and we get mad and, you know, but nevertheless we have to forgive, to move on. The third thing is the argument of prayer. The argument of prayer. For what? They do not know what they do. What? That they do not know what they do? How could that be? I mean, after they saw, think about that. I mean, he healed the blind. You know, he opened the ears of the, 
the, the, he opened the ears of the person that couldn't hear. I mean, he did so many things. He rose Lazarus from the dead, Jairus' daughter. I mean, and the story goes on. They witnessed all that. What was their problem? I mean, <laughs> you know, it's like, duh. <laughs> what was, <laughs> like my grandson will say, grandma, duh. So what they do not know what they do, you know that? Think about that. But, you know, it's just what it is. He was being betrayed. Jesus, the son of the living God that left his heavenly throne to come here, be born as a baby, and go through all that. He didn't have a home. He didn't have a career. I mean, it, it, it's not. It's a life of servitude. You know that if we really we say we love Christ, he showed us. He was an example. He was the servant of all. The servant of all. So, he was unjustly nailed to the cross. He died an agonizing death. I can't even imagine the pain. You know, it says hands, but I, I, I believe it was right here when they put the nails. I mean, I can't even imagine. It says that the story said, the history said that the people that were crucified actually died of asphyxiation because it was, so you know, I can imagine him. His first word, Father, forgive them. His tormentors, but instead he offered them forgiveness. Immediately after he said that, what do they do? They, it says, I read it, that they parted his clothes and cast lots. So this really shows us that they have no clue what they were doing and all that. You see, Jesus not only made an appeal on behalf of the sinful mankind, but he argued on our behalf. And we're sitting in here very comfortable, very blessed today because he did that. He argued that, not, not for them, but for all of us. For that, we have to be grateful. I'll be grateful until the day I die. Just, I mean, I'm alive. So only for that. I need to be grateful. Well, salvation is, you know, the greatest thing that ever happened to all of us. We must forgive. It is hard, I said, when I was writing the sermon. I thought, why is it so hard that when somebody does something to us, we find it so hard? Yet the Bible tells us that we are to forgive in the same manner that God forgave us. In Matthew 18, 21, we find the story of Peter. Peter came to the Lord and said, you know, Peter said, Lord, how often should I, should my, should I, my brother, sin against me and I forgive? Up to seven times, that was Peter, seven times. Well, you know, that's kind of like, hey, seven times is a lot, okay? <laughs> but you know what Jesus said to him? No, I do not say it to you up to seven times, but up to 70 times seven. Now, it's unlikely that Peter could have kept track of whether he forgave a particular individual 490 times. <laughs> Think about that. So the point is that we should always forgive. This is a neat sermon, you know that? I, you know, about forgiveness, about his last word, you know that? I mean, it, it just teaches a lot. I, I don't know how many sermons have been written, but it's really, uh, well, I think it's very plain and simple. We either for, choose to forgive because we have choices in life. We were created with freedom of choice, dance God to that. So we don't need to be, like Pastor said, we don't need to be all Baptists, you know, all Presbyterians, you know, Pentecostal. We could choose. However, we need to choose widely. We only come through this earth only one time. You know, there's no coming back. Mm -mm. 
I don't care what the books are saying, what people, the new age that we're going to come. I don't think so. Nuh -uh. We're gone and we're going to be gone. So whatever we're done is a done deal. So we have to choose. So we either choose to forgive even that or we either choose not to forgive. But I can't imagine, you know, I, I talk about this is the last words of Jesus at the, at the cross. Think about those people when you're gone. I mean, when you're ready to die, if you get that chance. Some people like Princess Diane didn't get that chance. She, she died on a horrible accident. But think about if we get that choice, how would it be? I mean, what would it be? Uh, I've gone, that's part of the ministry. I've gone to the hospitals and, uh, you know, uh, minister to them. And I've seen, and some people I've seen peace. And some people is, I have had the, by the grace of God, the honor to live then to, to the prayer of, of salvation, but then also to forgiveness. So much hatred, so much bitterness. And, and you see the person, you know, in desperation, anxiety, because, you know, death is coming soon. Praise the Lord. How many here are glad for the forgiveness of sin? Yes, God is good. The conclusion, the answer to the prayer. Now, how could God forgive the guilty, that cross? That's the answer. The cross of Calvary. The cross of Calvary is the equalizer. That's right. The cross of Calvary, no Jew, no uh, Gentile, no, you know, Puerto Rican, and <laughs> no, no Chinese, uh, Japanese. We're all equal. It's an equalizer. We would all die one day. We will all stand in judgment, you know, and then we will be sitting. Jesus Christ will judge us. It's called the judgment seat of Christ by what we did. And I believe the answer will be, what did you do with my son? You know, what did you do with him after you got saved? Did you share the forgiveness of sin? Did you forgive? And so we will. And so, you know, my prayer is that all of us, uh, before we leave eternity, that we're able to forgive, not to hold any grudges. So the cross was the answer. First John 2, 1 and 2 tell us, my dear children, I write this to you so that you will not sin. But if anybody, look, if anybody does sin, I love the Bible and the word of God. We have one who speaks to the Father in our defense. Jesus Christ is the righteous one. Jesus, the son of the living God. He is the atoning sacrifice for our sins, and not only for ours, for the whole sins of the world. So who did Jesus die for? All mankind. I'm a missionary. That's what I am at heart. I love missions. I love to just share the good news in here in Utah, wherever the Lord, you know, send me. Here I am, send me. So, yes, forgiveness. Forgive those who have trespasses against us. Romans 10, 13 tells us that everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. I was talking to, I meet people, uh, you know, everywhere. And so I was talking to a lady, and she said to me, she said, Pastor, don't you think that uh, everything that's happening, you know, that uh, out there, and, and, and sometimes I said, Lord, come back quickly, you know, that? Because she was overwhelmed by everything, you know, rumors of wars and, and asteroids, you know. Coming down. Did you guys see that on uh, Russia, how that came? Oh, my gosh. <laughs> so, you know, and so things, cosmic things are happening. That's in the Bible, though. So we're supposed to rejoice and look up because our salvation is near. Nobody knows the, the hour and the day, but he's coming back. So that's no denying of that. 
But uh, the point is that she said, I, I wish sometimes that he'll come, you know, Maranatha, come back, Jesus. And I told her, you know, I said, the reason that he's not coming is not because he doesn't love us. I believe is what Second Peter tells us. Second Peter 3, 9 tells us, in fact, God is patient because he wants everyone to turn from sin and that no one would be loved. So if he hasn't come, it's because there's probably still millions of people that need to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. So I told her, just, you know, just continue to, you know, my, my son is a really uh, very um, simple person. And it, it, I always talk to him and, you know, I, I do counsel with him. He's got uh, some wisdom. Uh, he's, you know, he's 39, but he acts like he's older. And I was talking to him about, you know, the coming of Christ and all that. And he says, Mom, he says, just be still. Whatever he's asked you to do, he says, go daily thinking about who you could encourage, who can you bless, who can you, you know, who can you lay hands on and be healed in Jesus' name. Not by my power. I don't have any power, but by, the, by his stripes, we are healed. And so, you know, he says, just go your life on and, and just blessing other people. And he said, don't worry about what's going to happen. You know, Charles Wesley wrote in one of his hymns, five bleeding wounds he bare, five, received on Calvary's cross. They pour effectual prayers. They strongly plead for me. Forgive him. Oh, forgive him, they cry. Nor let that grandson sinner die. So what is our job is to forgive others, but to share desperately that forgiveness that will set us free and that will bless others, will lift up others, whoever they are and whoever uh, they, they, they have gone through. Everybody has gone through hard times. I'm quite sure that, you know, we, I mean, I'm hoping that I still look good. <laughs> I'm sorry. Uh, my <laughs> oh, gosh, help me. You know, through the cancer, my, uh, my precious hair, I don't know if you remember, curly hair. It was like, you know, uh, all that went out of the window. <laughs> and so all of that stuff that we hold so precious, my hair, my eyelashes, my eyebrows, I mean, all that fell. So it's like, well, you know, this is what it is. But look, it came back, not curly and, you know, gray hair, but here I am. Who cares? Now, who cares, really? I'm alive, so it don't matter. But that's what it is, you know, that we must learn. He put us in this earth so that we could enjoy what I have plans for you, uh, Jeremiah 29, 11, to prosper, not to harm you. He wants all of us, children, little ones. I have four grandchildren. And so, you know, for all of us, he, he came so that we live that life abundantly. But that life abundantly includes to share the gospel, to share the good news. So it's not only, you know, so that, uh, of course, it's good to go on vacation. I'm getting ready to go to New York soon. So I love it to see my mother. But, you know, but nevertheless, wherever we are, every morning when I wake up, I say three things. Thanks, God, for giving me another day. I thank you so much. Uh, who could I encourage? Who could I bless? Who could I uh, talk about your goodness? And then, you know, put somebody so that I am able to share. So it could just be at a supermarket. It doesn't have to be. Not everybody's going to be in the pulpit and preaching. Not everybody's going to go to Africa or, or you know, Mexico uh, to do missions, which is great. I mean, but you know that we have to, whatever we are, we are, you know, we might be, have you heard this saying? Of course, we might be the only Bible that somebody will see. 
on a given day. This city needs to hear the truth. But with love, okay, it's not with condemnation, it's not those people. I mean, this city needs to see the light of Christ shining on us first for us to share that testimony. I've been to the hospital, and, and, and there might be people that I don't even know, but I usually ask the nurse, can I go and say hello? And they're like, sure, go. And, you know, so that's an opportunity. So, yes, absolutely. In summary, the utterance from the cross, Father, forgive them, summarize the ultimate meaning of where the term Christ or Christos in Greek Christos in Greek, Messiah in Hebrew, literally means the anointed one. There's only three types of persons that are anointed in the ancient tradition. Priest, king, and the dead. As the great high priest, Jesus, he was interceding on their behalf, asking the Father to forgive them. This is echo in the book of Revelation, where in John's vision of the glorified Jesus, clothed in the garments of the high priest, with eyes of fire. This really got me when I read this. Wow. And the face shining like the sun. He record Jesus' word. I am, it says, he that liveth and was dead. And behold, I'm alive forevermore. Amen. And I have the keys of health and death. My brothers and my sisters, there's nothing to be afraid. If we know Christ, for the pardon of our, our sins, you know, we will be with Christ when we're gone. But, you know, but we, we this is, it, it was doing resonance, uh, resonance in my, you know, in my heart, in my spirit, in my soul, that, you know, that we must forgive. We must forgive. When you say, please, uh, I don't know, and this is not now so that to put anybody on the spot. I, I, I have things that, you know, that I have my not forgiven, but God will, re he will make remembrance of whatever. So if you want, if you don't feel shy, I don't, I, I have things to forgive and, you know, uh, can, can you just in honor of the word of God, not me, raise your hand and, you know, and ask God to help you to forgive. Again, I don't know what it is. So just raise your hand, you know, that. thank you, bless you, you know. And so that whatever it is, you know, that we have in our heart, forgive us, Father, that we have sinned. But we willingly choose, it's a choice, forgive others today. From this day on, it is, what is it, 12.05. From <laughs> Sunday, February the 17th at 12.05, it has been recorded, absolutely, that we have raised our hand and we have chosen to forgive, to forgive and to forgive. Now, forgive, sometimes we cannot forgive. So I'm not going to say now, poops, like a magic spell, it's going to be forgotten. But God will help us. He will honor what you've done this morning in, of course, honoring of him. But we must forgive. And may the Lord bless you. Thank you. Thank you.